Hi, this is Dr. Casey Carlos coming to you from Bellevue, Washington, where I practice at Dermatology Arts and I'm an assistant professor at University of Washington Division of Dermatology. And we have your next episode of Dialogues in Dermatology JAD podcast today. And today I'm introducing Dr. Sheila Shigani, who is currently a third year Derm resident at NYU and will soon be joining the faculty at the Donald and Barbara Zucker School of Medicine at Hofstra Northwell in New York as an assistant professor and co-director of inpatient dermatology. Welcome, Sheila. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. Well, we're here to talk about your most recent article that was published in the JAD that's entitled Comparison Between Organismal Staining on Histology and Tissue Culture in the Diagnosis and Cutaneous Infection, a Retrospective Study. And this will be coming out in the JAD soon. Is that correct, Sheila? Yes, I think in June's issue. Okay, wonderful. Well, can you tell me just a brief summary of what this article set out to look at? Sure. So we were interested in looking at diagnosis of cutaneous infection and more specifically the two diagnostic tests that are routinely performed in cases of suspected infection, those being a skin biopsy for histology and skin biopsy for tissue culture. And we wanted to see how these two tests compared with one another. So we did a retrospective study of patients who had biopsies for both histology and tissue culture. And we were primarily looking at the concordance or level of agreement between the two tests, as well as clinical features that might influence the diagnostic yield of each test. So what was your gold standard for diagnosis? So the gold standard that we used in this study was the final clinical diagnosis. When measuring concordance, we were really just looking at the agreement between two tests, and we used a statistical measure called the kappa correlation coefficient. And so for that statistical calculation, you don't really need a gold standard for diagnosis. But in some of the other things we looked at, like um, sensitivities and specificities, we did need a gold standard for diagnosis. And so in that case, we used the final clinical diagnosis. Now, what motivated your group to do this work? So I have a special interest in the skin manifestations of infectious disease and its many mimickers, such as auto-inflammatory dermatoses. And so I think because of my interest and sort of infection always being at the top of my mind, and as a resident, I've had the chance to do a lot of inpatient dermatology where we see a lot of cutaneous infection. These last three years during my training, I've been routinely doing these two tests together, skin biopsy for histology and culture. And I've been really surprised to see how often the results are discordant like instances in which atypical mycobacteria, for example, are seen on histology, but then not grown in culture, or times when multiple organisms are grown in culture, and then yet nothing seen on histology. So as this has continued to happen throughout my training, I've really grappled with how to interpret these discordant results, and what's the best way to determine if something's infectious when it's not so clear cut. And when I initially looked into the literature for some of these answers regarding concordance or diagnostic yield of the individual tests, most of the studies that I came across seemed to focus on either specific types of infections, such as deep fungal or specific populations like immunocompromised patients or ulcer patients. And I really only found one study that came out of Harvard in 2017 which looked at all patients with suspected cutaneous infection. And they analyzed the clinical utility of 
microbiological studies as a whole, they lumped together special stains and tissue cultures together into one category. But they found that micro and derm path results were concordant in about 70% of cases. But other than this one study, the data is pretty limited. And so all of this, and also I wanted to see how special scenes specifically fared against tissue cultures, all of that prompted us to want to conduct this study. And so our primary goal was to look at the concordance of results between histology and tissue culture from biopsies performed on all patients with suspected infection and sort of looking for patterns in concordant and discordant cases, any clinical features that might impact test results and the diagnostic yield of these tests. Great. Well, you touched on a lot of things that you were looking at. Can you tell me a little bit about how you set up your research? Sure. So a retrospective study, we looked at all patients under the age of 90 who were seen at NYU dermatology between the years of 2013 and 2018, who essentially had a skin biopsy done for histology and tissue culture. And when I say tissue culture, usually that includes bacterial, fungal, and mycobacterial. And the biopsies had to have been taken from lesional skin for the same cutaneous process in the same patient. And the histology and tissue culture needed to have been done within three weeks of each other. And so we collected a lot of data on histology and tissue culture results, lesion morphology, biopsy size. We looked at the pre-biopsy differential and the final clinical diagnosis looked at treatments and treatment response, and we looked to see if any patients were immunosuppressed and if they'd taken antimicrobials prior to biopsy. When we were sort of defining what positive histology and positive tissue culture meant, we considered positive histology as being any case in which an organism was seen on histology and reported whether it was seen on H&E or special stains. And then we categorized tissue culture as positive anytime anything grew, but we excluded common contaminants such as coag negative staph and the acnes, et cetera. And we also had our final clinical diagnosis, which we divided into an infectious and not infectious category. And so for the infectious category, we included not only primary infection, but also super infection, because that often altered treatment, and we excluded viral infections. And once we collected our data, we essentially divided our biopsies into one of four groups. We had a negative concordant group, so those were patients that had negative culture and negative histology, a positive concordant group where both tests were positive, a positive histology only group where only the histology was positive and then a positive tissue culture only group. And for the majority of our study, we really focused on the latter three groups and performed both descriptive analyses and sensitivity and specificity calculations. And in order to calculate our concordance, as I mentioned earlier, we did this kappa correlation coefficient, which is a nice way of measuring the agreement between two independent tests and sort of accounts for the probability that they agree by chance. And what were your findings of the study? So we found that 179 patients met inclusion criteria. And so we included them in our study. And of those 179 patients, 36% of them were ultimately diagnosed with infection. And when we compared histology and tissue culture results, we found that they agreed, meaning they were either both negative or both positive in about 73% of cases. And that's pretty much in line with what's been previously reported. However, when we calculated the kappa correlation coefficient, our value of 0.25 translated to a minimal level of agreement, almost no agreement actually, when you look at the reference ranges. 
And so then we broke our biopsies down into groups and, and looked at the groups. And we found that about 10% of samples showed both positive histology and tissue culture. About 7% had positive histology only and about 21% had positive tissue culture only. And so then we just like looked more closely into the groups, looking at the spectrum of organisms that were identified by each test to see if maybe one test was superior over the other in identifying particular types of organisms. And we found that in the positive histology group, we saw the highest proportion of deep fungal, parasitic, or atypical mycobacterial organisms accounting for half of the patients in that group. And so this data really suggested that histology might be more sensitive than tissue culture in identifying fungal organisms. In contrast, when we looked at the positive concordant group, so both tests were positive in this group, we saw predominantly bacteria, 14 of the 17 cases, and the vast majority of these were Staph aureus. And then similarly, in our positive tissue culture only group, we also predominantly saw bacteria. However, we saw a higher presence of gram-negative bacteria and polymicrobial cultures. And this suggested that tissue culture might be more sensitive in detecting gram-negative bacteria. We then also took a subset of the biopsies that had just positive tissue cultures and re-reviewed the histology slides with our dermatopathologist and found that 10 of the 27 biopsies that we re-reviewed had bacteria that had not been previously reported by the dermatopathologist because it wasn't thought to be relevant to the primary process. And notably, all of these cases contained gram-positive cocci that correlated with what was grown in tissue culture, and they were all superficial in the specimen, suggestive of a secondary infectious process. And so this really highlighted to us the subjective nature of histology compared to tissue culture. And then once again, we didn't see on re-review any gram-negative bacteria, even in patients who had gram-negative bacteria grown in tissue culture. And we think this has to do with the type of gram stain that we use in our lab, the brown brand gram stain, where there's not much contrast between the bacteria and countersane, and so it's difficult often to visualize gram-negative organisms. When we continued our analysis into our subgroups, we found that while 88% of patients with positive concordance and 75% of patients with positive histology only were ultimately diagnosed with infection, only 46% of patients with positive tissue culture only were thought to be clinically infectious. So in other words, biopsies that had positive histology were more likely than those with just tissue culture positive results to be deemed to be infectious. And this I found really interesting. And when we looked closer at the profile of patients within the group that had just positive tissue cultures, we found that roughly half of those cultures came from ulcers the majority of which were ultimately diagnosed with non-infectious etiologies like pyoderma gangrenosum or venostasis ulcers. And so I think the takeaway from this was that um, just because you have a positive culture in an ulcer that otherwise has negative histology, it doesn't necessarily exclude a non-infectious cause and may in fact represent colonization rather than primary or even secondary infection. And this was further supported by our observation that we saw a high proportion of polymicrobial cultures in the same group. We also looked at 64 patients that were ultimately diagnosed with infection, and we wanted to see whether the presence of antimicrobials, immunosuppression, or the size of biopsy had any impact on the yield of positive histology or tissue culture results. And we found that among those patients who took either an antibiotic or antifungal within 14 days prior to biopsy, 
they had a lower proportion of positive cultures and positive histology compared to those who had not taken antimicrobials. And this observation was significant with a p-value of 0.023 for the cultures. But then when we ran the same analysis, looking to see if immunosuppression or the size of biopsy had an impact, they didn't seem to significantly alter the yield of results. And then lastly, we calculated sensitivities and specificities using a final clinical diagnosis of infection as our gold standard. And we found that both tissue culture and histology had low sensitivities, less than 50%. Um, Histology did demonstrate a higher specificity of 96% compared to 81% in tissue culture and higher positive predictive value of 83% compared to 59%. They both had relatively similar negative predictive values of 73 and 74%. Great. Well, lots of interesting things to take away from there. I think it's especially interesting to know that the histology is going to be probably a little bit more predictive of those different types of infections, fungal and protozoal and atypical mycobacteria. I would postulate that that's probably because of the difficulty in culturing those organisms compared to culturing bacteria. And then it makes sense to me that the bacterial culture would be a little bit easier to get because they're a little bit more standard. Um, And we're kind of set up to grow those out in a way that we're not for the others. Right. Exactly. So what were some of the limitations of this study or what room for growth or other questions came up out of this project? Yeah, so we had we had several limitations. I mean, it is a retrospective study, and it's limited to one institution and um, somewhat limited sample size, especially when we were doing um, more targeted analysis. For example, when we were looking to see if the size of biopsy had any impact on the yield of positive results in those ultimately diagnosed with infection. And so, I think having a prospective study would maybe solve some of those issues or just a larger sample size, particularly for the size of biopsy. And also when we looked at immunosuppressed patients, most of those patients had already been started on an antimicrobial. The minute they walk through the emergency room or call their PCP with a lesion on their leg, they get started on something. And so I think a prospective study would help control for that. I think also another limitation that's unique to the study is our lack of a gold standard to diagnose cutaneous infection. And so because of a lack of a gold standard, we had to use our final clinical diagnosis as a gold standard in order to calculate our true positives and true negatives for our sensitivity and specificity calculations. And and this really is an inherent limitation because the final diagnosis is based off histology and tissue culture results, the very two tests we're trying to measure the diagnostic yield on. Uh, So it's a little bit of a cyclical thinking. But I will say the vast majority of patients that were ultimately diagnosed with infection did improve with targeted treatment, which is reassuring and helps validate our use of clinical diagnosis. But it still has its limitations, as many patients may have received other therapies and improved from that or may have spontaneously improved. But we do think that despite these limitations, using clinical diagnosis as a gold standard in this study is useful, not just in interpreting the diagnostic yield, but potentially even uncovering potential biases in the clinician, such as hinging a final diagnosis more on histology rather than tissue culture. And then I think it would be really interesting at the University of Washington, we actually have a kind of broad PCR available to do on histology to identify organisms. And I think it would be really fascinating to kind of add that into, especially if you did a prospective study to get that piece of information as well. Yeah, absolutely. And PCR is the gold standard for so many different types of 
infection, if we could exactly have some sort of broad PCR where we could encompass as much as we could, then that would be ideal. How would you suggest to a clinician out there that they should change their practice or change their thoughts about infectious organisms and how to approach them in the skin based on your study? Well, I think one of the biggest take-homes for us was that histology was seen to be more sensitive for fungal infection, especially deep fungal infection, and that tissue culture might be more useful with gram-negative infection. So I think it's important that clinicians understand that although each test has its limitations, they also exhibit high clinical utility in special circumstances. So recognizing that, and we do stress the importance of taking a tissue culture, especially when gram-negative infection is suspected, and then for organisms that are difficult to grow in culture such as mucormycosis or atypical mycobacteria, alerting the microlab when possible of your suspicion so that they can potentially cater the culture conditions appropriately. Because ultimately, if you don't have a PCR available, a culture will help speciate and really target treatment. And then also, it makes sense that if somebody's on antimicrobials prior to biopsy, that might affect the results. But it was nice that we were able to show that it did impede the diagnostic field significantly, at least for tissue culture. And so with that, I would highlight the importance of interpreting a negative test result with caution in any patient who's taken even one dose of an antimicrobial prior to biopsy. And then Finally, because we did identify some organisms on histology upon re-review of some of those samples that have been initially categorized as just having positive tissue culture results, we recommend that it might be useful to potentially include super infection or secondary infection in the differential diagnosis for the dermatopathologist so that they might then report the presence of organisms, even if it's not thought to be relevant to the primary process, so that in the event that a tissue culture is positive, it might be more easily attributed to secondary infection and cause less confusion and unnecessary treatment. Great. Well, Sheila, thanks so much for sharing your time with us. I'm sure things are crazy in New York City right now, so we really appreciate it. I'm just going to kind of summarize what I'm taking away from this talk as well, and feel free to correct me. So number one is it is still really useful to do both a tissue culture and a biopsy, especially at the same time in the same area for any uh, patient that you're worried about an infection. And that communication and communication and communication as always is the most important both to the dermatopathologist and to the microbiology lab. Let them know what you're thinking and what you're looking for and you'll get better results. That bacterial uh, infections tend to be a little bit more common to come up in the culture than on the histology, although some of that might be limited by us as dermatopathologists not always commenting on bacteria if we don't think it's relevant. And that histology was a little bit more sensitive for finding things like fungus, protozoa, and atypical mycobacterial infections. And then third, to be really cognizant on any patient that's been giving an antimicrobial in the last 14 days, that this could definitely influence results. And if you are given the opportunity to do it more than 14 days, say it's a chronic ulcer or something like that, it may be best to wait to do those tests until you've gotten a little more time away from that antimicrobial. That was such an excellent summary. I couldn't have said it better. 